Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Program. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal program. As you know, right now, we're starting to hear all this talk once again that we need to go back to masks and we need to go back to mandating shots. And, you know, college students, you're not going to be able to come back on campus if you're not vaccinated. Well, I think that we need to go back and re-examine what happened to a lot of our members in the military, and one in particular is joining us today, and that is Army First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, uh, who, First Lieutenant Bashaw, uh, served as a public health officer and a company commander at the Army Public Health Center from January 2020 to June 2023. In November 2021, he became a whistleblower against the United States Army regarding the experimental COVID-19 products, the masks, the tests, the injections, and the propagandized risk communication strategies, psychological operations, discrimination, and unlawful orders that were weaponized against service members and overall the American people. Mark ended up being court-martialed and received a general discharge, and he was released from the military because of his refusal to take the COVID-19 shot, which, as you've heard me say, unconstitutional, unlawful, immoral, and uh, unethical. We're joined with Mark Bashaw right now from San Antonio, Texas. Mark, thanks for being with us. Colonel West, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Now, you know, a lot of people will look and say, okay, Mark, you seem a little bit older for first lieutenant in the United States Army. You did some time prior service as enlisted in the United States Air Force. Am I correct? Yes, sir. So I did 14 years Air Force, uh, enlisted uh, June, January 20, 2006 as an enlisted member, served in the Air Force for 14 years in September 2019, after earning my education on af after duty hours mm -hmm. uh, throughout that 14 years, earned a commission into the Medical Services Corps September 2019. So just prior to this quote unquote pandemic. So how many total years of service did you give to the United States of America? So I did 17 and a half years before I was eliminated from service unlawfully. Yeah. And, and so here you are, 17 and a half years, and we know that another two and a half years you qualify for your retirement, and you were denied that because you did not follow what was, what we clearly know was an unconstitutional, unlawful, uh, immoral, and unethical order, correct? Yes, sir. So and take, so us, it was, yeah, take yeah. us through this. Yeah, so it, I got stationed immediately after that initial training into the Medical Services Corps. I got stationed at the Army Public Health Center, which is in Aberdeen, mm -hmm. Proving Ground, Maryland. 
And my primary mission and primary duties are as a preventive medicine officer, and more specifically as a medical entomologist. So uh, to, to the average audience out there who might not know what that is, that's that's the threats from vector-borne disease. Yeah. That's other non-battle-related injuries that could affect our service members. That's uh, communicating risks. Uh, that's risk communication strategy. That's a scientific method approach. Uh, to where we look, we question things, we apply the proper scientific method, and then push out proper risk communication strategies. So that's where I was at, Army Public Health Center. Like you said, I served as a company commander, and then I served, uh, I did that successfully for about 13 months, and then I moved back into my position as a, as a medical entomologist, preventive medicine officer, and uh, that's that's when I started communicating the issues to the the command at Army Public Health Center mm -hmm. and to the senior mission commander on Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Now, obviously, with your background, you do a lot of due diligence and you do a lot of research. What were the things that you saw initially that caused you concern about this mandating of a shot? And I don't call it a vaccine because a vaccine eradicates a disease. We're talking about a virus. And so this is not a vaccine. So what were your concerns about this shot mandate? Uh, initially, it was the, the one-sided approach, the all-in on a quote-unquote uh, these injections, right? And a total disregard for any sort of prophylactic discussion, not implementation, but simply a discussion. And I say that because back in July of 2020, I, I submitted communication, uh, started that discussion at the Army Public Health Center saying, hey, is the, is the Department of Defense and or the Army looking into prophylaxis for the potentially using to treat service members, right? And, and we do that already as a, as a medical entomologist. That's one of our methods we use for malaria when we deploy to different countries. Yes. We, we use these um, chloroquines, uh, these doxycyclones, these hydroxychloroquines. It's, it's been in the regiment for quite, you know, decades. Well, I know. So, I've, I've taken some of those things in deployments. So I was curious as to why we weren't at least talking about that. And then it became extremely clear to me that they were all in on this injection that was going to come and that was going to solve everything. And to me, that was a huge red flag in the fact that uh, the approval process it takes for, for the a real vaccine uh, is quite extensive. And to force this and coerce this upon not only service members, but the general public was, uh, was incredible to me. And then the risk communication strategy, which was completely weaponized in this safe and effective manner versus a holistic approach. You know, it's interesting because I've had people come back and say, hey, Colonel, you know doggone well that in the military you had to take, you know, certain shots and things of this nature. I say, yeah, because if I'm going to be deploying into an area, uh, tuberculosis, you talked about malaria, you talked about various and sundry other things, that there were things that we took to protect us against that. But I was never forced to take a flu shot when, when I was in the military. And, and we're talking about a virus. And so, again, you know, how is it that all of a sudden we say that this is about protecting the force when, it, to me, it seems like it did more harm than good in the long run? Completely. It did way more harm than good in the long run in the fact that 
these products were never FDA approved. They're what's called emergency use authorized, which are experimental in nature. And the fact is, you, a service member, it is codified through legislation in federal uh, statute law that a service member must be given the option to accept or refuse these products. It, it's United States Code 10, 1107A, where even if we're talking about the mask, the test, or the injection, they're all experimental emergency use authorized. And a service member must be given the option to accept or refuse. Reason being is because there's no informed consent. We don't yes. know the medium, the, the short-term, medium, long-term effects of these products. That's why we must give service members the option to accept or refuse. And that was largely my uh, my my fight with my command and my communication to my command in the fact that, one, these aren't lawful orders. And as a service member, we have a duty to challenge unlawful orders. It's, it's, it's part of our army doctrine. And so that was one. And then two was was the complete and absolute attack on the members of conviction or or they they had a a conviction whether it was religious or simply a um a a right of conscience against these products and they were absolutely attacked in ways to where they were isolated to where they were forced to take uh, participate in two times a week uh the experimental testing uh, in order to access their place of duty and enforced masking in a discriminatory nature to where the entire command knew who wasn't vaccinated and who was vaccinated or quote unquote vaccinated. And um, that was completely unlawful and goes against everything we've been taught in the military. It, it's it's extremism 101. And, and, and for, for a Department of Defense to where we have this SECDEF who stopped the entire force on a stand down to do extremism stand down training only back in February 2021, only for the force to conduct and commands and leadership to conduct an extreme form of extremism later on down the road with these mandates of these products upon service members. Well, let's talk about your specific case. Uh because your case is has replicated over some 9,000 times. What was it that you were charged with? How, how did the legal proceeding get going about uh, with your command? And, uh, you know, what was the court-martial proceeding like? Yeah, so I, I submitted an Article 138, which is a complaint, an official complaint against my chain of command, stating that the orders to test, mask, and take these injections was unlawful, discriminatory in nature. After I submitted that initial Article 138, I was then, um, you know, I had to perform my duties and show up uh, to lead my soldiers. I was then charged with Article 92, refusing to obey an order. Um, I, was, I was charged on 18 January 2022, and then subsequently, on the following day, my complaint was dismissed by the commanding general. And again, that's protected communications. And it was dismissed. And then they brought me to a court martial in April of 2022, uh, to where I was I was convicted, uh, given no punishment. But uh, and in the ju the judge even recommended to the commanding general, who's the convening authority, mm -hmm. to drop everything. 
unfortunately, the convening authority used the conviction as means of elimination after 17 years of service. And, and he had the option to not do that to you. Am I correct? That's correct. And I even requested in a lengthy rebuttals uh, twice, uh, lengthy rebuttals on, on why he had proper justification not to do it. Not simply saying, hey, please don't eliminate me from service, but giving him the lawful and legal means uh, to, to retain me in service in which he completely dismissed and threw out. And I ended up uh, petitioning all the way up to the secretary of the army to where uh, her her uh, judge advocate one star ignored my request as well. And she refused to entertain any sort and, of communication. And, and the secretary of army is Christine Warmoth, who is also the person that just recently came out and said that she does not want to recruit uh, generational service uh, families into the military. Who is your uh, convening authority? Who is the commanding general that decided that he would, you know, over overreach? And you know, to me, that's undue command influence, what he ended up doing. If the judge had decided that there should be no punishment, to me, that's the end of it, correct? Who's right. your commanding so he, general? It was Major General Robert Edmondson, and he was advised, his judge advocate general happened to be uh, Colonel Yevgeny Vinman, who was the one who recommended uh, a court-martial to the commanding general in which uh, Major General Edmondson uh, blessed off on and, and then went down that road. Of, uh, okay, hold on. Is this relation to the lieutenant colonel uh, Alexander Vindman, who was the quote-unquote whistleblower in the Trump, uh, you know, was Ukraine phone call hoax? You're absolutely correct. So it's his twin brother. He has a twin <laughs> brother who was also uh, supposed also at the White House and got removed from the White House. After he was removed in the White House in the Trump administration, the Biden administration moved him to Aberdeen Proving Grounds to be the judge advocate general for this uh, commanding general, Major General Edmondson, and um, and also the you know the 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 individual that recommended charges against me for for the court martial. Do you feel that what Vindman, Colonel Vindman, Yevgeny Vindman, and Major General Edmondson did was an act of retribution against you? I absolutely do. I think it was. Um, due to the Article 138 that I submitted and the language that was in there, I brought up protected communication regarding specific and substantial dangers to public health and safety, which was the our government's own data, which was the VAERS data, the Vaccine yes. Adverse Event Reporting System, right? Huge signals in there of, of safety concerns for these injections. I brought up the fact that these are unlawful orders and violation of regulations, which is also protected communication. And I happen to be a medical public health officer at the Army Public Health Center. So I do feel it was complete uh, retribution and they had to get rid of me as fast as they possibly could. And I think they assumed that I would just roll over and take some sort of plea deal and, and, and be eliminated from service instead of continuing to fight and stand upon my unalienable God-given rights. Now, when you talk about the VAERS data, because this is something that we have seen the military try to suppress and not get out there in an open discussion. I think that it was Senator Ron Johnson had a, uh, a senatorial hearing about this. 
What were some of the things that the VAERS data brought out that you think that the everyday public here in the United States of America are not aware of? That's that's an official reporting database from our for our own government, from our own government. It is a tool that not only for the general public to use for signals, but that is the official database for the Department of Defense to for service members to report their uh, and doctors within the service to report service members injuries to these quote unquote vaccines. Um, I have that in confirmation from the chief uh, immunologist at the Defense Health Agency, who's Colonel Tanya Rands. And not only did we have those signals, but for the American public, we also had the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database in which uh, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long brought to light with that roundtable that Senator Ron Johnson had and the other whistleblowers, we brought this information to light in the fact that not only we had the VAERS data, but we had the DMED data that showed these huge signals and that, you know, medical professionals are coming forward. We need to pause this, this weaponization of mandating service members to take these experimental products and, and, and cease and desist, basically, in which the Department of Defense has been ignoring Senator Ron Johnson's inquiries for quite some time. And I want to highlight how important that point is. We have a sitting senator elected by the people that is submitting official inquiries to the executive branch, Secretary of Defense, only to be ignored. Incredible. Now, do you believe that this was willful and, and intentional? what we have seen happen with the withholding of this information and not the sharing of this information and not doing, as you suggested, the delaying of uh, this, this shot mandate? I believe it's willful at a certain level, at a, at a, at a very high level. Um, and then I believe once it gets filtered down, it's more of an ignorance level. But the problem comes when and I told my soldiers this and my, and my airmen this when I was commander, if you have a problem with me, you have a responsibility to come talk to me, address the issue face to face, and we can, we can try to perform some sort of redress. So all of these commanders who, who might have ignorantly been going along with this and pushing down these orders uh, blindly from top down, okay, that's ignorant to a degree, but when your service member submits official documentation to you, sir, these are unlawful orders, here's why, X, Y, and Z, and lays it out there for you, only for that commander to ignore that communication, then it's willful. You know, I'm reading the, you know, little background on your story here where uh, Colonel Venman, who was the top lawyer for the Army Communication Electronics Command, and he oversaw Aberdeen Proving Ground, he was the uh, JAG representative for Major General Edmondson, that at, after your conviction, he tweeted out that he was proud of the first in the nation conviction. He was proud of what he did to you. How does that make you feel? It, it was, that was disgusting to see. It was, it was really sad to see a full bird Colonel, you know, and I and I've been in the military a long time. I've had a lot of respect for officers, and there's you know there's that respect that is inherent uh, with the officer corps, or should be, 
And um, for him to go out on a, on a social media platform, a personal social media platform and lament on, uh, on convicting a medical officer at the army public health center who was doing his duty and raising flags was just, uh, my opinion, it was diabolical. Well, I think it's despicable. And, you know, this guy, along with his twin brother, they uh, bring shame uh, to those who have worn a uniform. Now, you ended up getting, from what I understand, uh, the other uh, other uh, general discharge from the United States military? Yes, sir. How does yep. that affect you going forward? Yes, yeah, so I got a general under honorable conditions with unacceptable conduct as like an asterisk. And for the general public out there, service member, when they leave service, they get a, a DD-214, yes. which characterizes your service. And um, it, when you go to apply for jobs, whether it's back with the, the government or, or just in general, individuals usually request that DD-214. And if they see uh, uh, anything other than honorable, there's a lot of questions that are asked. And it has it has impacts on educational benefits. So a loss of GI Bill. It has impacts on rehiring uh, opportunities with the government. So your your constructive credit. Um, so if you, for example, if you did 17 years in the military, um, and you got a general discharge after those 17 years, none of that would count towards constructive credit. Mm. And so you would have to do, you know. 20 more years to obtain that retirement eligibility. And so I, I say all that to highlight the fact that I am not the only one that has has been through this persecution. There's close to 10,000 service members who got a general discharge. In fact, I know an enlisted service member who is about to put on senior non-commissioned officer, which in the military is, is in the army, it's sergeant first class. Yeah. And he was about to put that on. Instead, he got discharged for refusing to obey this unlawful order and take these injections. He is now living out of the car, out of his car on the side of I-95. And, and he has enough money to maintain a gym membership to shower and, and his car to go back and forth to his, his current place of duty. But that's what they've done to these service members. And, and these just absolutely destroyed them and kicked them out the door as fast as they could. Now, I want people to understand what you just said, Mark, is that here we have uh, a sergeant first class, about to be promoted sergeant first class, that loses everything, li living out of a car. But yet we have people coming into the United States of America illegally that are getting put up in four-star hotels, that are getting, you know, taxpayer-funded benefits, you know, meals and everything. But this is how we have treated some 10,000 members of our United States military. You know, at the core of who you are, what would you say to President Joe Biden if you could look at him eye to eye right now? Let's see. You're, I'm, that's, that's, I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't say a damn thing to him because he's not worth it. He's a, he's a belligerent. Uh, human being that uh, has clearly already overstepped his his authorities and turned into a, a complete and utter uh, dictator of this belligerent executive that is now uh, attacking the, the people, frankly. Is there a potential for you and the other, you know, 900 and 9,999 
to do a class action suit against the Biden administration, because we now know the truth about this mandated shot, uh, to restore your benefits, restore your back pay. And if you could be brought back onto service into the United States military and complete your final two and a half years, would you do that? I would do it if we were talking about real health care of service members and absolute and, and taking care of service members instead of forcing these uh, these band-aids down their throats that have only done nothing but cause destruction among our force and our readiness. Um, I, I would absolutely entertain the idea if that was the case. Um, yeah. Um, but going back to what you said about class action lawsuit, I think that's a wonderful idea. I think uh, if there's anybody out there who's willing to uh, get a bunch of these unlawfully discharged service members together and go on the offense of I'm all ears and and I know plenty of others who would be in on that as well. Well, I know that uh, you have seen all the advertisements for what uh, the water issue down in Camp Lejeune. So I can't see why someone would not want to take up this cause because without a doubt, truth is on your side. In the closing minutes we have of this interview, what do you want the takeaway to be of the millions of people who will see this conversation that you and I just had? I think my takeaway is to understand the level of coercion and, and, um, and persecution that service members have been through. But also, I think the takeaway is, is the general, as, as we the people, as the public, is to understand that we are the ones that possess the power. And when we put God first, uh, and the proper structure and how this is supposed to work is God first, uh, the people second, society third, and government on bottom. It's not supposed to be the other, other way around, and that's how it's been for quite some time. And so as long as we put God first and stand upon our unalienable rights and and start going on the offense and telling these public servants that they work for us and they signed a contract, which is an oath of office, and that's the only legitimate contract they have. And if they violate that contract, we will put them on blast, if nothing else, in the court of public opinion. Uh, so that's what the general pe population need to understand, how immensely powerful they are when we put God first. How can people follow you? How can people support and help you? And hopefully there is someone out there that's a good and decent lawyer, uh, a legal uh, professional that will take up this cause and case. How can people support you going forward? Yes, yeah, so you, people can go over to ff1776.com. Again, that's ff1776.com. Stands for Freedom Fighters 1776. I have a, created a website over there. You can view all of these protected communications that I submitted to my chain of command. I have a give, send, go over there. And there's some other resources over there as well. So, so please check that out. That'd be much appreciated. And please uh, let us know how we can support that Sergeant First Class is living out of a vehicle and maintaining a gym membership so he can get you know, uh, uh, personal hygiene done because th that should not be happening in the United States of America. And that's the reason why we see young men and young women who don't want to join this military right now under this current commander-in-chief and this leadership. So Army First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, thank you so very much for your service. Thank you for enduring and thank you for standing up when it would have been a lot easier to go along to get along. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Colonel. God bless you. God bless you and Army Strong. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us for this episode of the Steadfast and Law Program. Special thanks to Army First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw for being with us and sharing his insights about the tribulations and the trials that he had to go through as far as protecting his body from that COVID vaccine mandate in the United States military. And if you like this interview and you've liked this program, please click that like button and share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.